<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. And here we are with another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you again for joining us here on the program. My next guest serves as general counsel for the Hemp Industries National Advocacy Organization, a coalition of dozens of leading companies and organizations committed to safe hemp and CBD products. So joining me here on the line is the general counsel of the U.S. Hemp Roundtable and member in charge at the Frost Brown Todd Law Office in Washington, D.C. Jonathan Miller joins us. Jonathan, thanks for being with us. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Glad to have your organization on the program, you know, uh, to get the opportunity. Really appreciate it. So from a recent press release, the U.S. Hemp Roundtable is applauding a story that we want, I haven't had a chance to talk about here on the program, but I think it's very important. Uh, the California State Legislature recently passed AB 45. It will explicitly permit the retail sale of products containing non-intoxicating hemp-derived extracts and cannabinoids such as CBD. Upon signature from Governor Gavin Newsom, the era of CBD prohibition in California will come to an end. Now let's explain what AB 45 is. So the bill's sure. genesis came in July 2018 when the California Department of Public Health issued guidance arguing it was illegal to sell CBD products in California as dietary supplements and food and beverage additives. Very interesting that California would have this opposed to other states. Now, pursuant to the guidance, dozens of retail stores and product manufacturers were rated by local and state public health officials, demanding products would be withdrawn from shelves, sometimes seizing the products and issuing citations. Subsequently, the department added CBD cosmetics and topicals to the prohibition, a prohibition of CBD until this day. So, Jonathan, take me through why this came to be in California initially. When the, when other states didn't level this experience, this uh, didn't experience this level of prohibition. Yeah, it, it's really I ironic that uh, California, which we think is a more uh, cannabis-friendly state, uh, one of the early adopters when it came to marijuana, um, became one of the strictest prohibitionists when it came to hemp. And uh, so, as you mentioned, three and a half years ago, uh, the uh, state agency there. Um, started uh, putting up notices that it was illegal to sell CBD as a dietary supplement or food and beverage additive. And uh, uh, the uh, local cops and health agencies started enforcing it. We got uh, 
businesses that were uh, raided, uh, products seized. We even went, they even went into some manufacturers and put big embargo stickers on their products and told them they couldn't sell them. And, and uh, so it, it became clear that uh, we had to ensure that the law uh, was black and white uh, to make clear that uh, these products could be sold. Um, so we went to the legislature, we found uh, a wonderful sponsor, uh, her name is Cecilia Aguiar Curry, um, introduced legislation and uh, it uh, made some progress and then it failed. And then the next year we made it all the way to the fish line and uh, it failed there. And finally this year, uh, we were able to get the legislature to pass it. And it's sitting on the governor's desk and we expect him to sign it any day. Uh, and uh, the prohibition will be over and uh, we'll no longer have the fear of uh, these raids or, or um, any agency coming in saying you can't sell these products. Now, how much of an impact did that make to hemp farmers in California? I would imagine hemp, when I'm thinking about the industry of hemp right now, you know, there's a number of states that are doing quite well, but how much of an effect did that create in California and what they were able to do? Because obviously you have, I mean, I want to imagine there's a quite a bit of a history of hemp growing and hemp farming in California and leading up to 2018, the opportunity to work on CBD came to the forefront of a state that already has legal and adult use, or which mean medical and adult use in cannabis. How is it with well, hemp had such a has such a, a stigma to it? Yeah, it uh, it just uh, is quite uh, quite troubling and ironic that that happened. But but in a sense, some of the forces that were battling us uh, were um, cannabis. Uh, companies. Now, not all of them, and uh, most cannabis companies were supportive of hemp, but there were some cannabis companies saying, hey, we don't want to allow hemp to be sold in retail stores or CBD because it's competing with our sales of our products at the dispensaries. And so we, uh, we understood that there were some companies that uh, encouraged the state agency to take action. And, and ultimately, there were several companies and organizations that uh, tried to block AB 45 for three years. Uh, Finally, uh, we were able to, to defeat them, to defeat them overwhelmingly. Only a handful of people voted against it. Um, but uh, uh, we, uh, in the rest of the country, hemp and marijuana industry seem to work together pretty well for, for whatever reason in California. Uh, perhaps it's uh, some history that I'm not aware of. There, there have been some challenges. I just don't get, and this is not something where the government, I mean, what prompted the government to go ahead and create the prohibition in the first place? What, was it the reports from these cannabis companies that were kind of whistleblowing on these hemp farmers? I, I think that was part of it. But the other part is the big issue that we're dealing with nationally is that the FDA um, has argued that uh, CBD products are illegal to be sold if they're ingestible. Um, that's something that has been around for about five or six years now. Uh, and uh, the FDA has never enforced on it. Uh, the only actions they've taken is to send warning letters to companies that make uh, uh, outrageous medical claims like, you know, CBD is going to cure cancer or cure COVID. Uh, but um, it, uh, it helped prompt the California state agency to say, well, if the FDA is saying this, then we're going to enforce it here. And uh, again, you don't see this in any other state, uh, uh, but uh, California wanted to uh, apparently take the lead <laughs> in uh, enforcing the FDA's uh, unbinding non-binding uh, uh, legal arguments so odd but also it's just a matter of of every other state that didn't have this kind of issue and this here was there anything you could tell me in terms of what damage this this took on the industry in terms of the growth compared to other states oh uh, it took a tremendous damage to the industry and um, 
Um, there like, did were, it basically um, make the hemp industry a little bit? If people wanted to go ahead and grow, people just decided to go in their states to go ahead and start growing. Yeah. I guess. So yeah, 2020 was an awful year for CBD in California. And so what you saw is a lot of California farmers going to different directions. They started to um, make uh, Delta 8 THC, um, which is intoxicating. Um, and uh, they, uh, they also um, started to sell um, smokable flour. Um, and, uh, and so that uh, when they couldn't sell the CBD, they saw these other routes. Um, but um, we, we believe that, uh, you know, that the markets for uh, CBD itself are many, many times greater than for these other products. And so we're confident that uh, when this bill is signed into law and takes effect, it will take effect immediately that uh, we'll see a real revitalization of, of the hemp industry out there. So now in the end with, with Delta 8, well, the thing was, I guess, with some of the growers, did they just decide to go and grow something else? Well, when, it terms of, when it comes to Delta 8, um, they also had to know that there was going to probably be some kind of a limitation on how long they could go and grow that crop because right now, we're still seeing a lot of people already. There's there's regulation that's trying to come in to abolish it, pretty much. Correct? Yeah, you know we're um, we're we're supportive of the U.S. hemp industry of of selling Delta Eight as we sell marijuana, so as an adult use cannabis. So if if people want to buy Delta Eight and they're adults and it's regulated, then then we're supportive. What we're not supportive of is Delta Eight being sold under the guise of hemp and sold unregulated to vape stores and convenience stores to, to miners, and, and a lot of that's happened. So, um, but you know, I I understand why some farmers, uh, when they got blocked from selling stuff for CBD, uh, wanted to you know find some other um, markets for those products. And, and I'm hopeful again now that the CBD market is open that it'll give folks a greater opportunity to sell non-intoxicating hemp products like CBD. And then part of the, what happened as well is, well, that's really interesting also about the fact of how California didn't suffer what the other hemp farmers did when they had an over, you know, a, an oversupply of hemp. And then the idea was to go ahead, then where Delta 8 came into play, or even De Delta 9, to go ahead and create more cost-effective methods of producing CBD. And then the, the fact of the, the farm bill itself creating a loophole of extracting Delta 8 giving a rise to the products being sold. And then you just had this whole workaround. Well, you just basically by abolishing or prohibiting, you're you're going to find that the growers are going to find another workaround. And now something they're going to have to just take out altogether. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's been a real mess, but uh, again, this legislation passing is going to, help clarify things. And the other big thing, though, is we need to get the legislation passed in Congress um, to um, get the FDA off the dime and to start regulating CBD on a federal level. And, and that that will unleash commerce across the nation and help farmers everywhere. So let's get back to AB 45. The passage has happened. And you recently said, quote, after more than three years of stops and starts and difficult negotiations, the era of CBD prohibition in California will soon be over. Retailers and product manufacturers will no longer have to fear embargoes or product seizures. Consumers will have access to products to promote their health and wellness. Most importantly, hemp farmers in California will see a wide opening of opportunity for their crops as the nation's largest wellness market is now for sale. And now that we know what damage it took, what's going to happen now, the turnaround for the hemp market in California, what's the immediate impact we can see in California? What could this do to the CBD market in terms of market expansion and the benefit towards the hemp farmer? 
Yeah, well, so as soon as the law is signed by the governor, it becomes uh, effective. And uh, I think that is going to uh, be a signal for um, a lot of retail stores that have uh, been scared of selling the products to start selling the products again. Uh, a lot of uh, product manufacturers uh, to start adding CBD to their mixes and adding it to their food and beverages um, because they'll know that uh, the markets are open for the sale. And all of this means that there's going to be a much greater demand for, for hemp uh, biomass, which uh, helps the farmers. So there will be this trickle-down effect where um, the sales of CBD will start. There'll be demand for hemp biomass. The prices will stabilize and the farmers will be able to once again uh, have a market for their products. With the fact that California gets to come back now with full production on hemp and CBD in general, we're seeing that you know Delta T, Delta ATSC from hemp, extracted from hemp, right now as of August 2021, there are 18 states have restricted or banned Delta ATHC in some way. Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Kentucky, Idaho, Iowa, Michigan, Mississippi, Montana, New York, North Dakota, Rhode Island, Utah, Vermont, and Washington. Because of the change of AB 45, do you think there's going to be an immediate, could there be a ban now to Delta 8? Will you think that California would follow suit? So, I, you know, California's not going to ban it, but uh, part of AB 45 is it, is it uh, gets Delta 8 and Delta 10 and other intoxicating compounds and says you need to sell it through dispensaries. Um, and we've seen the same kind of thing happen in Oregon and Michigan. And I think next year when legislators come uh, for the next sessions in January, you'll see many states taking that path. And it's, it's something that we support, which is Delta 8, Delta 10, sell it uh, akin to adult use cannabis. If it's not intoxicating, uh, you can sell it in retail stores, grocery stores, et cetera. It's going to be amazing how Delta 8 will have been such a, a thing to do for about a year. And then yeah. just like that, it's just <laughs> going to go away. But that just benefits hemp. And yeah. I'm just trying to make a point of this as we go to break of how California, again, is such a beacon when it comes to the industry and for the hemp industry and for CBD, the fact that you had the prohibition and what happens? You're going to find, you know, you're going to have people that are going to find a way to get, this is where even with cannabis itself, the illicit market that's so rampant in California as well. When you don't have clarification in the law or you have things that are precluding, you know, the success of an industry like that, especially with hemp and CBD, we know that listen, every other state can have products and they have it whether they are medical or don't use. And then you come down to his and California had, you know, the, the people in the industry hey, being smart, they found a workaround, but now they're going to have to go back to where they want to be. And I don't know if that's going to be, if it's going to be, you know, is it'll be beneficial still in the long run, but then it's going to be, we had to go from one crop back to another one. Now we have to go back to where we were before. So it's yeah. a lot of headache that I feel like the government brought upon all this. That's just in my opinion. Uh, anyway, I'm here with Jonathan Miller, general counsel of the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, member in charge of the, of the Frost Brown Todd Loss office in Washington, D.C. We're back with more questions, including uh, more talking about the hemp industry and where things go when it comes to the implementation of the FDA hemp bill. We'll talk or at the FDA in regards to the 2018 hemp bill. We'll talk with Jonathan about that after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill patio sunset. Hard to get better than that. 
Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with Jonathan Miller, General Counsel of the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, a member in charge of the Frost Brown Todd Law Office in Washington, D.C. So we were talking about the hemp industry in, uh, in general, or what was called a hemp glut, if you read in a lot of stories. Benzinga recently wrote that the hemp glut of 2019 was a major factor in the price drop of hemp and CBD products. The U.S. can only reasonably be reasonably consume 22.5 million pounds of 10% CBD hemp in a year. In 2019, they produced close to 180 million pounds, eight times the amount. So once harvested, hemp has a high yield of edible proteins and fibers with more than 50,000 product applications. Demand for industrial hemp is growing, especially the products, owing to increasing awareness about its health benefits. Although factors such as its complex regulatory structure could hamper market growth across the globe, uh, according to verified market research. So the oversupply of U.S. hemp is hampered by the lack of processing outlets. So that's according to New Frontier data. Now, you told Benziga in this story that regulating the hemp industry could constitute an economic stimulus package for the nation's farmers and small businesses without requiring one dime from the American taxpayer. And it also could create new jobs in agriculture, manufacturing, distribution, retail, testing, and other fields in the hemp supply chain. Now, would this be some kind of a resolution that uh, the FDA's implementation of the hemp bill would ultimately resolve? Yeah, I mean, they so have to, the there glut, has to be some uh, way to figure this all out. And how was it that we had such an oversupply? So the glut uh, was a part of two issues. One was just the general excitement uh, about hemp after the farm bill passed. But the other is that uh, uh, people started growing hemp by leaps and bounds at the same time that the FDA started to ramp up its public commentary, arguing that it was illegal to sell uh, CBD products. So uh, a lot of folks that were going to put CBD in their products, their food and their beverages, or sell tinctures, uh, decided to hold off because of what the FDA said. A lot of stores that were going to carry CBD products decided to put those plans on hold. 
And so you had all of this biomass being created for the expected CBD demand, and the demand had dropped through the floor. Prices crashed, bankruptcies ensued, and all because of the FDA um, making these arguments that CBD is illegal. So once we can get uh, FDA to start uh, recognizing and regulating CBD, uh, then the, those uh, things will change. And uh, that's where our legislation comes in, H.R. 841 would establish a legal pathway for the sale of CBD as a dietary supplement and require the FDA to regulate it as such. And uh, so you'll get protection for consumers, but also you'll get the unleashing in all this business. The stores will start carrying it. Uh, the companies will start putting CBD in their products and there will be the demand for the biomass that will help get rid of that glut. But we're still waiting for implementation. We're still waiting for the guidelines. I mean, for what you know of in DC, I mean, is it something right now that's still that policymakers are still working on? Has the FDA been active and they've, have they been responsive so far since taking you know comments from the public? We've had several hearings, but what else has happened since? There's not much said about it. Yeah, the FDA is not being responsive. In fact, just last week, uh, an FDA official said that they're in a stalemate that uh, because they don't think the law allows them to regulate CBD, they're not doing anything. So that's why we have to change the law. And that's why Congress needs to pass legislation to require uh, CBD to be recognized and regulated. And uh, we're really hopeful that uh, we can get that legislation passed uh, sometime in the next several months. And it's fine. It's just that we had this, we thought there was going to be some relief, but I feel like there's been nothing that's happened as a result, which I don't get that part. Yeah. Well, the, the FDA has uh, uh, been preoccupied with COVID for good reason, but also they've just... Uh, uh, ignored uh, this uh, great demand for both uh, um, legalization as well as regulation, and so uh, we've uh, we've got to, we can't wait on them any longer. We need Congress to act. And if any of your listeners want to get engaged, we've got a website called regulatecbdnow.com. Uh, you can go there, and and it makes it really easy for you to send a member a, a letter, an email to your members of Congress, and urging them to regulate CBD now. Now, I want to ask you about another thing about a recent company um, that was submitting an intent to use trademark application for a range of CBD infused tea products. The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office denied application, leading the company to appeal the decision to the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board, which is in the uh, the Moore Act that's being pushed out, the hopeful Cannabis Legalization Act that's being pushed right now in the Senate by Senate Democrats. They wouldn't need to be they would be utilizing this trademark, trademark trial and appeal board, this T, or TTAB. So they upheld what the Patent and Trademark Office is denying on the grounds that the FDA maintains the position. It's illegal to sell a CBD food or dietary supplement in interstate commerce. So it, the CBD products would therefore violate the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. And then the company that was being uh, charged were saying they had a bona fide intent to use to mark its future because the beneficial change of the laws around CBD is anticipated. But then the trademark trial and appeal board said that stating if the goods on which a mark is intended to be used are unlawful, there can be no bona fide intent to use the mark in lawful commerce until the law changes. In other words, regardless of whether the law is anticipated to change, CBD containing products are unlawful and cannot be covered by a trademark. Did the hesitancy of the FDA and other boards here of government, this regulation red tape is, is hampering the industry. At the moment right now, um, from what you're seeing as an attorney and what you're seeing with your clients, talk to me about some of the issues you've had to encounter 
when it comes to if you had any issues like this company uh for joy for, for instance that had issues with interstate commerce and any other problems right now that the hemp bill has not resolved yeah no, the, the uh trademark issue that you mentioned is, is a direct result of the fda's uh lack of action so the trademark uh um uh Bureau will not uh, issue trademarks for CBD uh, ingestible products because the FDA says that they're illegal. We, you have Facebook and, and uh, um, some of our other social media refusing to let the CBD companies buy ads because of what the FDA said. You've got uh, um, some uh, border authorities not wanting to uh, approve uh, imports or exports because of what the FDA says. It really all comes down to this FDA position that we need to get changed, and uh, that's why you know, again, I'll regulate CBDnow.com is a great way to, to help uh, help us overcome those problems. This has all got to get fixed. I mean, I mean, not sure where to go with things, but let's go back to what we've been talking about anyway. Uh, your website, the US Hemp Roundtable, which, by the way, is hempsupporter.com. If you want to take a look, there's a lot of information there. Chock full, I would definitely recommend. We'll mention the website a little bit later on the program. Now, on the website... The Roundtable recently reported that the Secure and Fair Enforcement, or the Safe Banking Act, has been amended into the Fiscal Year National Defense Authorization Act following a House vote. Interesting it was able to put it in that way. The legislation sponsored by Representative Ed Perlmutter, a Democrat for Colorado, places strong protections for hemp and CBD banking, is now heading to the U.S. Senate. So while all 50 states have legalized hemp production, more than 35 states have legalized cannabis for medical or adult use, Ill-defined federal law, which is what we're really, I'm not trying to make a, a witch hunt for all these organizations, but we're just need to, this is why I'm, I'm glad to have you on, Jonathan, to kind of just lay this out and explain what we need government to go and take care of. I know we're asking a lot of them, but this is what they're required to take care of. This is what we, they're voted in office or they're appointed to do just this. So this would help to continue to prevent banks Lenders and credit card processing services for providing safe banking to legally operating businesses involved in the cannabis space without access to these services. Cannabis businesses are continued to force to deal with large amounts of cash leading to financial confusion or criminal activity. So I appreciate, you know, the House of Representatives trying to go ahead and in, insert the Safe Banking Act into the NDAA. But what's the chance this might actually get to fruition? And, you know, how effective will this SAFE Act be now if there's any, will there might be any changes that might be added to it? This is where the Senate has gotten it now after the House, or at least the Appropriations Committee in the, in the House, actually already passed this. They approved it through committee. It's gone through so many different areas, but how far are we to passing it? How close are we right no, there? There's overwhelming bipartisan support for it, uh, and uh, the, it passed the House uh, originally by a three-to-one margin. So Democrats, Republicans all support this. It's a, it's a great idea both to help uh, promote uh, financial services for hemp, but also for cannabis in general. Uh, the challenge is uh, in the Senate, uh, there is a bill, an omnibus bill called the, the CAOA, which has been introduced by uh, Senators Schumer, Wyden, and Booker, which would be comprehensive cannabis reform. And there are folks that support that and bill. And that would include that, the Safe Banking Act regulations, correct? Yeah, but right. uh, correct. But they don't want to pass piecemeal. So they want to only pass comprehensive legislation and are afraid that uh, 
if the Safe Banking Act passes on its own, there'll be less interest in passing the full comprehensive legislation. So we're we're trying to get over that. And, and again, you gave our website, hempsupporter.com. There, there are ways you can get on our website and send emails to your members of Congress to urge them to uh, um, to support the Safe Banking Act, uh, however it comes, because these banking issues are really critical and, and we need to get this legislation passed. So basically you have to do a little bit of a a shuffle where you you want to be able to get the CAOA to pass because it has the most possible chance of passing with as much as possible added into the bill without taking something and pushing it aside. I mean, I've seen it in different ways, even in the music industry. I think of the Music Modernization Act and the AMFM Act and how royalties are being paid to musicians and how they had to go in. Not, they tried to put the bills together, then they split them apart. But in the same way here, they can't split what's part of what could be included in the CAOA it's not going to make sense in this case to separate it out because it would take down some of the motivation to pass the CEOA. Is that what you're saying? That's what some are arguing, but we disagree. We think that uh, we should pass safe banking now and, and uh, pass uh, the CAOA as soon as there are the votes to, to pass it. But then I would put the argument that, you know, you want the banking to be put into place because of how many, although at least for the, le- for the, for the States, that are already, the 35 states he already mentioned, which I mentioned before in a, in a previous story, you have a, a supermajority of states right now already in the commerce of cannabis. Why not just let the banking relations, regulations just, just for those states? And then when the CAOA comes in, it's a blanket federal passage. Right. Yeah, and I think that's that's uh, that's the idea of what, what will happen. Uh, uh, we yeah. just need to get the timing straight and... and uh, Let's forget the politics and get get these get the job done here. Yeah, I, I know they have other things that are probably in mind, but like right now, I can say it over and over. When it comes to economic recovery, we see right now the stock market it's going to go through some volatility. We know that people, you know, they, there's some release that needs to be happening. We know that there's going to be some kind of a correction down the line. Economic recovery with cannabis regulation and legalization will help. It's going to help, you know, soften the blow. I don't know why. Uh, there's obviously that's the that's the urgency of getting this passed, which I can appreciate. But the other thing I got to ask before we go along into one of the story was because um, I want to get back into Delta Eight and ask a, a couple of things about that, which you've also focused on uh, as well. I want to ask about with all these different acronyms out there in the first place that are all going to be involved once legalization comes into place. We're seeing the lack of you know, urgency to get things taken care of when it comes to a bill being passed and the FDA not doing their part, or, you know, you're having other groups that are kind of kicking the can and, you know, they're saying, well, we don't have a law in place. So we, even if we think there's going to be a law in place or not, we're not going to do anything about it. So the USPTO, the TATB, the FDA, I mean, it's all of this. They're, they're not on the same page. And, with this kind of confusion here, talk to me about where the roundtable is right now and the communications with any of these groups. And, you know, I can imagine the same kind of issues right now that you're learning from the hemp industry. It's going to fall on the cannabis at some point because even when legalization comes in, could the CAOA fall the same route as the hemp bill did? Yeah. And that's why it's, it's, it's really clear that uh, we get this FDA issue settled because uh, we can get uh, legalization of marijuana settled, uh, but uh, if the FDA comes in and says you can't uh, buy it, 
<laughs> you know, you can't buy cannabis products, these cannabis products, those cannabis products, and then what have we accomplished? So it's really clear that we need to get the FDA to get its, its arms around cannabis and, and pass legislation to force them to regulate it. I'm here again with Jonathan Miller, General Counsel of the U.S. Hemp Roundtable and member in charge of the Frost Brown Todd Law Office in Washington, D.C., here on Bum Business, we're back with final questions. I'm going to get back to Delta 8 after the break, and we'll talk about how the FDA and the CDC have been putting warnings on Delta 8. We've talked about it already, but we're going to just go into what the roundtable has officially stated about the state of Delta 8 as part of the industry. We'll talk about that after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Back once again with Jonathan Miller, General Counsel, U.S. Hemp Roundtable, member in charge, Frost Brown, Todd Law Office in Washington, D.C. Listen, you made all the distinctions are there. I'm going to say it over and over. Why not? Uh, final question for you, Jonathan. The Food and Drug Administration, Centers for Disease Control, issues simultaneous public warning notices to the public about Delta 8 THC products. Now, I didn't mention this before when we talked in the first segment, but I thought it was good to revisit it now. The major concerns identified involve marketing, potential use by minors, and most prominently, the potential harmful byproducts of unsafe manufacturing practices. Both agencies cite numerous examples of D8 using leading to hospital visits and poison control calls over the past several months. The roundtable has said, quote, this new development shines yet another bright spotlight on the desperate need for regulation in this space. As a reminder, the U.S. Hemp Roundtable believes that Delta 8 as well as other intoxicating compounds, should be regulated like adult-use cannabis. Meanwhile, non-intoxicating hemp products like CBD should be regulated as dietary supplements and food and beverage additives. So I want you to expand on the, on the concern right there by the roundtable. We talked about how, because of what happened, and that there could be, before we even get to the chance to regulate Delta-8, it could be something that could be, maybe even st- production might be stopped as a result. So do you feel like Delta 8 can survive with absolute restrictions being made, or do you think that we could have it regulated and you think it could still be part of the normal lexicon of where cannabis is right now as a regulated substance? Yeah, I, I think we should treat Delta 8 like we treat Delta 9, uh, which is uh, if it's above a certain level that's intoxicating, uh, you can sell it, but you have to sell it through dispensaries. You can only sell it to adults, and it's got to be regulated. Uh, and so we should treat Delta-8, Delta-10. I hear there's things called Delta-16 and 32. Anything that's intoxicating should be treated like we treat adult-use cannabis. And uh, I think it should be – all of it should be federal legal, federally legal. I'm, I'm confident it will be soon because that issue is so popular among the public. But uh, let's treat all the intoxicating stuff over on one side and all of the uh, non-intoxicating stuff on the other. As we wrap things up, if 
you had an ear to the policymakers right now, and from who you've talked to, uh, what's the priority right now? Because in the regulation, whether it's finalizing the hemp bill and finalizing the rules that everybody can follow for CBD, for hemp-derived products, for Delta-8, until we get to cannabis where we could get it legalized, where we hope another rollout of regulations and guidance and consulting comes into play, let's get hemp finalized first. Let's get that all wrapped up and have, like, what would you say would be the best path to a framework to show that hemp and how it's regulated could be the same model for cannabis? Yeah, it's simple. Go to uh, HR 841. It's a bill that's got 31 co-sponsors, 19 Democrats, 12 Republicans. Uh, we're going to have a hearing on it uh, in the House in a couple weeks, uh, and uh, we need to get the support for it. So uh, that will establish uh, a whole new regulatory regime for hemp-derived products, which could then be applied to uh, uh, adult-use cannabis products. So if, if you agree, you know, uh, you've, we've given a couple websites. HempSupporter.com is our main website. Uh, RegulateCBDNow.com is how you can get active on that issue. And uh, we need your help. So if you're listening, please join us in the battle, because the more we raise our voices, the, the greater chance we're going to get this accomplished. Fantastic. Also, you can also look for the Hemp Roundtable. Look for them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's at Hemp Roundtable. And website, again, HempSupporter.com. Jonathan, thank you so much. Also, what's the website for your law firm if you want to go and reach out to you uh, directly? Uh, Frostbrowntodd.com. So it's uh, pretty pretty simple. Well, Jonathan, thank you for making time to re- here representing the U.S. Hemp Roundtable. Thanks for being on with us. Thanks for hearing me fumble around today. I, can, I don't know why I was not able to read my <laughs> screen today, but uh, it is what it is. Doing a lot of things when I kind of shuffle around doing these shows. Because you tra- you got me you around. Something we can maybe bring up about Delta 8. Then just other things, and it just comes along. It's a lot of moving pieces. What can I say? Thank you you for listening to the program. Really glad to have all of you here. Make sure to go and subscribe, share, follow, and like wherever you find the show, all major platforms. And we'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.